Hey guys, it's good to see you guys again. Um, we're here with a very good friend of mine from Australia, and we've got Danny on the other line in Mexico again. He's still trying to get a flight to get back to Mexico, as always. How you doing, Danny? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. All the same. Still waiting for next Wednesday. <laughs> Today we got our first guest ever on a podcast. It's Yay! A new podcast. And a and the first guest is a very good friend of mine that I happened to meet um, back when I was living in New Zealand. And life kind of took me to Singapore, where he's a resident of, and he's been living there for 15 years or so. So would you like to introduce yourself, Matt? Oh, wow. Are we, are we using our real names? <laughs> oh, how, how, how would you like me to address you? Sapphire? Uh, con- conquistador. <laughs> conquistador. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you where that joke came from. That uh, about 20 years ago, I, I read something probably just when the internet first came out, and it was some article on how to make how to irritate people in your workplace. And one of them was insist on them calling you conquistador. And, I thought, yeah. <laughs> and I've I've remembered that ever since. But hey, that's a you guys would understand what a conquistador is. Like I'm from Australia. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it, it means uh, what is it? Conqueror in Spanish. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, you've been conquered by all these comments from the UK. I was reading this article that the first police force back in Sydney or New South Wales back then was the best behaved convicts. And it was a force of like the 12 non-killers and non-rapists. And that's how Australia started. Yeah, probably. I mean, Australia is, is famous for being started. It's Western culture anyway, um, as a convict colony. It, it's indigenous culture. This is the serious bit of the podcast, guys. Uh, it's probably, I think it is the oldest culture in the world, actually. Unfortunately, it didn't uh, align very well with British guys coming in with guns because they just really killed all of the indigenous and brought alcohol and disease. And we pretty much took about 100 years to wipe out. Uh, that sounds about that like Mexico. It's kind of the same as in Mexico. Well, in Tasmania, <laughs> that, that, that we, we, did, we did wipe all of them out. So... Uh, um, and the difference with New Zealand, of course, you know, you got, you, you've spent a lot of time in New Zealand, Eugene, is, is the Maori in New Zealand. They were a war-going tribe, so they could fight back, whereas the Australian Aborigines weren't war-going. They just got completely screwed over by the, the British colonists. Or oh, the, ah. the Maoris, they would eat the other people. They were cannibals. And that's why the English were like, all right, Dan and Nat, we don't want to get in a fight with you guys. Just give us a few muskets and a few blankets. And uh, we'll call it quits. You can have New Zealand do the Treaty of Waitangi that they still complain every year about that. But um, they didn't get a wipeout as the Abos, oops, Aboriginals, Abos probably expected. Did, didn't they, uh, Eugene, didn't they sign this treaty up in uh, Paihia? In Waitangi, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. We yeah. we drove okay. to Waitangi when you were in New Zealand. Matt, I don't know you. I just literally just met you. So, sorry, but... you, mean, you mean conquistador, don't you, Daniel? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, uh, fuck, 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 fuck. And I should say less fuck. I was told, but yeah, sorry, conquistador. So I have one information about you, and I think it's important. Okay. What are you drinking right now? Well, I don't know how important it is. I'm drinking a 500 ml Hogarden. That is important because I was told that El Conquistador loves his Coronas. I do love my uh, I do love my Corona beer. I'm saving those for the uh, for the second half of the podcast when we really get when we really get warmed up. But as it's still um, very early in the day here, I thought I'd, I'd sort of start with the, the big the big cleansing 500 ml Hogarden. So. 
I'll tell you the story behind this beer. You know, I'm in lockdown in Singapore, right? And we don't have a car. Neither of us has a car, do we, Eugene? So when we go shopping, one of the biggest hassles is getting beer back to your back to your apartment because it's heavy. So I ride my bike down to the little local supermarket, and so I bring back like four or five four or five hoe gardens in a plastic bag, waving back and forward on the bike handlebars. But they've got a they've got a special going at the moment of. Uh, three large 500 mil hoe gardens for 10 bucks which is pretty good so i've been enjoying my what? three yeah three of those for 10 bucks yeah 500 mil cans of hoe garden for 10 bucks what do you know it's a fair price no no it's a little it's a little local uh supermarket down here um and normally when you see those really little supermarkets you think oh they'll be really expensive but this one's really really cheap um because it also does ships chandling now, Eugene, you're a you're a nautical oh, you're a nautical guy, so you probably know what a chandler a chandler does or chandling is. I do, but our listeners actually wouldn't know, and I'm pretty sure Daniel has no idea what it is. Okay, so a chandler is a uh, a business which restocks or supplies ships. So okay. if the ship comes on board, oh, sorry, the ship the ship docks and it sends its crew on board to to crew on shore rather to, to restock. So, you know, it's been on, so in Singapore, this is all the cargo ships that come through Singapore and they need to restock all their supplies and by supplies, I'm not necessarily talking about fuel and oil. That, that's a separate process, but this is the food and the, the, the groceries and effectively the, the consumables that the crew will need. So this little supermarket supplies the uh, restocks, the ships. So even though it's only a little supermarket, it does a roaring trade because I, I live right down near the port in Singapore, which is the, um, I'm watching out the window at the moment and looking at the, some of the cargo ships being unloaded actually. So that activity still goes on during, during COVID. Singapore is the, the world's first or, or second busiest port, I think. Let me ask you a question. The first busiest port in the world will be Rotterdam, I assume, with Singapore being the second. Yeah, I think it depends on how you measure it. True. No, no, you're right. It depends how you measure it. I'm a very, very tall guy because I measure my, myself from my head to the sky. So that's how greatness comes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, my question here was, how do you know that much about ships, mate? It sounds like you've probably been in the oil and gas industry or you spent a few times on a helicopter on the bay to like, what, um, what do you do, mate? No, 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 no. This is much more scientific than that. When... When I was about 10 to 12 years old, uh, I was living a lot with my grandparents because my mum my had passed away and I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' place. And every night... Were you living, were you living with them on their basement like Anna Frank? Because when you were 12, that was bloody fucking 70 years ago, wasn't it? Uh, you know, it was in the... In Australia, it was in the wattle and what we call the wattle and daub hut, where you get sort of mud and twigs and then branches from the wattle tree, and you you know you use it into a mud brick house. We were living in that sort of environment, but we did have colour television because that's important to this story. So the way I, the reason I learned some of this stuff was every night I would watch Sale of the Century on television, which was this Australian quiz show. So I used to sit there and. And listen to all the questions, you know, because you had all these trivia, trivia questions, and you had contestant battling. And so I learned a lot of this just general knowledge stuff off sale of the century. So no, I'd have no real, I have no real knowledge of the shipping industry. Yes, I have worked in the oil and gas industry, but 
that uh, that really related to stuff that happens under the water. So I wasn't that clever about stuff that happens on top of the water. I've never been on a car, never been on a cargo ship, never been on a cruise liner, never been on an overnight sailing trip. So no. Most most of my trivia that I know is the trivia that I learned from a beer's lid. You know, you open your beer and right. there's a question. Also, oh, who was the first prime minister from this? That's that's what I get all my knowledge. So does Daniel. I'm just checking the the caps of the beer that I'm drinking right now, which is actually Conquistador. It's a Mexican craft beer. From Belgium. Because there is no there is no normal beer at the moment in Mexico, as you might have heard in the first episode. But anyways, I'm checking the caps and there is no such info in them. But right now, at this moment, I just poured myself a black IPA from Puebla. And it's really good, I have to say. I'm impressed. Daniel, I think that's a contradiction in terms. I don't know whether you can have a black IPA. What's the P in IPA stand for? Hey, yeah, 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 you're right. You're absolutely yes. right. Yes, but then there's a contradiction in IP as well. Indian pale. There's no white Indians. <laughs> no, but it doesn't... It doesn't it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> there's not white Indians, right? So, so should it be RPA, red pale ale, or red, like red, well, sorry, red, red, red Indian pale ale? It doesn't come from North America. Uh, it does come from North America, and that's a very interesting reason why that exists, actually, and why it's called IPA. Because those beers, when they were transported to the new continent, they used to put more hops to make them last the journey. Same as ports. Yeah, but not, not from America. Did you just say that no, from to- America? Not, yeah, 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 an Indian pale ale used to be beer sent from Europe across the planet to go to the new continent, being the American continent, and they used to put a no, lot no, of they, they went to they went to India in the 18th century. I'm with Daniel, I'm with Daniel. I think it's got to do with the British sending beer to or from India, their colony. Exactly. You guys so are The thing wrong. is, I, I just read that this week, actually, and okay, I'm not bro. kidding. Um the British going to India, they were having struggles with their beers uh, getting bad on the way down to India by ships. So they decided, okay, let's let's make a beer with more hops, more alcohol that make, that lasts more for the trip. And that's how it came up. So it was the India pale ale and that was in the 18th century. Is that right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. 17. 1700s yeah actually in in some ways the history of beer is almost the history of knowledge i'll tell you why uh because i watched too much crappy tv i also saw this anecdote once that said it was a story about coffee right and it was the history of coffee i think it was sponsored by starbucks there you go but it said (laughs) if you go if you go back to uh say 1720 london let me get on my time machine. You still had lots of diseases like cholera and typhoid and you'd get sick from drinking water. And if you're living in dirty, polluted, disgusting London, you're not going to drink. Like you COVID. Can't. Like COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can't, you can't drink water coming out of the River Thames, right? That's probably going to give you dysentery or typhoid or something. So 
the drink that most people, the drink that most adults spent their day drinking, and this is before tea and coffee were either in the country or affordable because they were first very, very expensive. People drank, um, I think they call it low beer or, or, or an ale. It was about 2%, 2 or 3% alcohol, right? Because that's the way you can sort of purify water. And, and so most people, most people spent most of their day pissed, half pissed, because you're just, that's all you're drinking. You're drinking it for breakfast, isn't you're drinking that it for lunch. normal now? Well, like in the, in the UK or Australia, New Zealand, isn't that kind of normal? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> but particularly during uh, COVID, I think most people start, started drinking, you'd say, oh, I'll have a beer after work. Well, now if you're working from home, that means I'll, I'll have a beer with work and I'll start at about nine o'clock in the morning. And what about people, like, if you, if you actually don't really work from home, what is an acceptable time to open your first can? The expression in Australia is when the sun is over the yard arm. That's another nautical term, isn't it? It is indeed. Yes, which would mean here in Singapore, it'll be around 7.30 a.m. perhaps. The Germans always say, kein Bier vor vier, so no beer before four. And then they say... It's 4 p.m. somewhere in the world, so go for it. Yeah, <laughs> Actually, that's, that's exactly what we say in Australia because we say somewhere in the world the sun is over the yard arm, so let's go for it. Um, yeah. Hold on, you di you're distracting me. Is this a deliberate ploy? You're distracting me from a story. I'm only halfway done. So, so in 17th century London, 17th, 18th century, early 18th century, everyone was rolling around half pissed all day, so they didn't really achieve very... Can you continue your story with a London accent? I want our listeners to feel like they're in 17th century London. Well, I shall endeavour to satisfy your request. So the, the plebeian citizens of the good city of London in the early 18th and late 17th century, they spent a good deal of the day hammered. Hammered, I tell you. Royally hammered. So they achieved diddly squat. Diddly squat. Whereas that uh, Columbus fellow, that uh, dodgy uh, Italian uh, bloke, he went over to the other side of the world and, and introduced rape and pillage and death and carnage into that part of the world. Good. Thank you, Christopher. Just like James Cook? Yes, something like that. But he did come back with the coffee bean. And so between coffee and tea being brought back from the colonies of India and Ceylon, which is now called Sri Lanka, the population of the good city of London started to drink tea and coffee instead of alcohol. And that meant that they weren't pissed all day. And there was a huge explosion of knowledge and creative thinking. And it led to the industrial revolution. <laughs> this is a serious story. And you can actually buy a book called the history of the world in six glasses. I will tell you all this, not as fun, but yes, that's something right. Please proceed, sir. It sort of makes sense, I think, doesn't it? So, yeah, yeah um, it does. And even the history of tea is fascinating. The British tea company that raped the Indians and they actually used to own all the ships and they were the biggest players in the opium track on the Silk Road. Yeah, correct. British East India Company would grow tea or trade tea from India and Ceylon. I can't remember which way the trade went now. This is showing my lack of knowledge, but... There was a triangle of trade between India, China, and trans-shipping through places like Singapore and Batavia. Batavia is what ran as Jakarta, and that was a Dutch colony. 
and it was tea one way and opium the other way. So yeah, the British were the biggest drug dealers in the world. They controlled the opium trade. Kind of like the Mexicans at the moment. Way bigger. All the opium that you could find outside of Indochina came on British ships with Holy tea. Shit. You can go to the shop anywhere in the world and buy some tea. I wish it was actually opium because I would love to smoke opium in a long fight. Nah. I'm not sure they brought opium back to Europe. At the time, it was supplying opium into, into China, which there was a culture of smoking opium in China. So if you go to the National Museum in Singapore, you'll see a lot of displays around the early Chinese coolies, the, the migrant workers in hard manual labor jobs. They'd all lie around in, in opium dens. Unfortunately, now all our migrant workers in Singapore they lay around in cruise ships with COVID-19 and they're not allowed to do anything and they cannot smoke opium. No, Eugene, all the migrant workers in Singapore at the moment are you. Uh, now, here in Singapore, we have a uh, different... There's migrant workers and there's expats. Correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. Yeah, we tend to use the word migrant worker referring to the uh, construction workers and the, call it the manual the manual labourers, and they're a different, they're almost a different class of citizen than, uh, than, the, than the other international um, foreign workers in Singapore, like uh, the good, our, good, our very good friend Eugene, who Singapore have, have granted a, uh, what is it, political asylum? Is that the status you have in Singapore? Oh, I, I, wish, <laughs> I wish, like, every country I have a fight for political asylum, they said no. Do they have capital, still have capital punishment in Mexico? I'm a thousand percent sure that there's an article in the constitution because we should have learned that in school, you as well, and you did go to school, even though it doesn't seem like it, but you did do. That I says, got kicked out, I didn't graduate. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but it says literally that uh, death penalty is abolished in Mexico. Bots for piracy. I'm like 99.9% sure. What about Kevin Appointment as Australia, No, no. Uh, I think the last man hanged in Australia was uh, Robert Ryan, a Victorian guy, hanged at Pentridge Prison in about 1964, if my uh, trivia memory serves me correct. Did you notice I used the word hanged then? Is that bad English? Yes, I did. That's Queen's English. And then consul said, on. So, yes, there's a, this is a good little bit of trivia too. The past tense, if I was hanging a picture, then the past tense of that is, I hung the picture. But when you hang a person, the past tense of that is hanged. Just hung. for people. There you go. That's why English, man, I, I grew up speaking English. I feel sorry. You guys grew up speaking another language. And I have so much admiration for people around the world that learn to speak English as a second language. You said second language. English is my third language. English is Daniel's <laughs> fifth language. Yeah, but hold on, hold on, Daniel. You're not counting. Are you, are you counting Portuguese in the top five? You can't, if you're Spanish, you can't count. If you speak Spanish, you can't count Portuguese. I mean, that's the same. No, no. Same, same, but different. Same, same, but different. Actually, my first languages are Spanish and German. And then came French, English and Italian. And Croatian, Harvatsky. No, that, that's, I don't speak that. Now, piss off, mate. We were in Croatia and split like three years ago. We were all for chops, like two in the morning at this nightclub. 
And Daniel started yawning with this uh, random Croatian guy in Croatian. And Daniel's only been in Croatia for like four days. And he's got yawning Croatian. He's like, where are you from? I'm from Mexico. And the guy's like, nah, you're talking shit. You're fucking Croatian, mate. You're probably from Zagreb or whatever. <laughs> Daniel had to pull out his passport. He's like, no, mate. This is a German passport, but I'm Mexican. Daniel speaks all the languages in the world, mate. No, how, how many, not really. How many passports have you got? What, how many nationalities do you hold? I only have two. I could have three because my father's dad, so my granddad, he was from Spain. But I have two, the Mexican and the German. You could have four because your missus is Italian. Yeah, but I cannot get the Italian citizenship just because my missus is Italian, man. That doesn't work like that. It works in Australia and New Zealand. Well, yeah, but, but I have two. And to be honest... I use the German one to travel mostly because you get more countries visa free or with a visa on arrival and the Mexican to go to Mexico because it's easier on the line to get into the country. But yeah, I have two passports. It's pretty useful. I mean, once you've got a, a European Union passport for Germany, yeah, you wouldn't really need Spain or Italy on top because you've already got a, an EU sort of passport and i think germany's a german passport's one of the best the very 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 best in the world in terms of being able to get into getting countries yeah it might be number one no last time i checked actually number one was the united arab emirates yeah well i think the way they measure that it could be very different no no there's uh, no eugene there's one way to measure it and it's just Amount of countries you can get into without a visa. I wouldn't measure a passport power for that. I'll measure the power of a passport on what countries can I go without need to get a visa to be able to work and start my life. Like with a British passport, for example, I can just go to NZ, go to bloody Aussie, do a little paperwork and just settle there or go anywhere in the European Union and work there. Maybe in Canada, my visa just to work there, they're pretty easy. That's a powerful passport. Well, used to be before Brexit. But that's how I measure the strength of a passport. Where can I move and work and do my life? Not what kind of travel. Because getting a visa to go to Vietnam or whatever, fucking hell, you apply for it online, pay your dollars, same deal. Kind of visa on arrival. That's kind of on arrival because you apply for it online but you get a piece of paper where you show it at the entry of the airport in hanoi or whatever and you can just go in with a visa on arrival but i think it's fair enough to measure it like that because if i'm not mistaken the united arab emirates have like 150 or 140 countries or something and germany has one country less and then there's like sweden or singapore yeah, Singapore's in the top. I know Singapore's in the top five. Singapore's in the top five. So, yeah. and there's a new direct flight. Well, it used to be from Sydney, Australia to Mexico with Emirates. No way. Via Barcelona. Flight, Eugene. That flight was. Sorry to correct you again, but yeah, Eugene, I'll have to correct you there too. We should rename. Can we rename this podcast to like you know people just correcting Eugene the whole time? But that flight was Dubai with the Emirates. To Barcelona, they charge some fuel, get some people, and then they fly to Mexico City. You're right. Yeah, that's a Qantas flight. We have to correct Eugene again because he just called you some name and you're conquistador. 
conquista. I don't know what the fuck he's saying. In your first podcast, did you cover the Spanish pronunciation difference between how Spanish how Spanish is pronounced in Spain versus in Mexico? Have you ever covered in your first conversation on a diet how Australian English is different to American English? No, probably not. No, no, but exactly. This is this is this is covering some serious historical issues here. So I apologise to our listeners because it's probably a lot. This is a lot more intellectual. See, when you get me on the when you got the conquistador on the podcast, it becomes intellectual. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, the Spanish in Spain is so different from the one in Latin America anywhere, and then inside of Latin America, you have so many differences. From Argentina to Chile, you have a difference. Argentina to Bolivia, you have a difference. The, the ones that are most similar would probably be Argentina and Uruguay. I have a question on you. What's your impression with um, El Conquistador's English? Well, as far as I've heard, El Conquistador has a very liquid, beautiful radio voice so so you're saying it's like oral sex kind of yeah yeah I, i'm feeling i'm feeling it through my ears yeah mm, i do mm, mm, yeah mm. exactly good, good good point it's... but if i wasn't aware of somebody from manchester speaking a little different than conquistador i would say he's from england man i'm loving how well we're coordinating here for someone that hasn't met and necess- met each other daniel's just set me up here because i used to live in manchester of all places really the first place i went overseas i was about 25 and i, I transferred to manchester i moved to manchester for work from from australia and when i got to manchester i could not understand them and they could not understand me i'd get on the bus and you'd, you'd get on the bus in manchester and you'd tell them where you were going this is before you had technology for you know, tap and go cards and all that. So you'd get on the bus and you'd tell the bus driver where you were going and then he'd say, well, how much it is? So I'd tell him, I'd tell him where I was trying to go and he couldn't understand me. And then eventually he'd work it out and he'd tell me how much the fare was and I couldn't understand him. And so, and everyone on the bus was sort of laughing at this stage. And then they'd ask me, oh, what's happening in Neighbours? The only thing that people in Manchester knew about Australia, they'd learned from watching Neighbours, which was this terrible soap opera from Australia. Conquistador? Do you reckon that because you've been living out from Australia for the past 15 years or so, that you timed your accent so the Asians can understand you? I did learn to, what I say, neutralise my Australian accent. So after a few beersies, I probably revert to my Australian accent. But yeah, I think everyone has a, a local accent, but then you learn to, to tone it down a little bit. Sorry, but how many beersies have you had so far? Oh, this is number three. I am on the Corona now, which is Spanish for crown. And did you open one or two of those? Just, just one. You, you, you don't want them to get warm. I mean, that's the, you can't. No, no, you should open another one. Just for the sound of it. I'll do that shortly. I'm not going to waste a beer just for your podcast. I'm, I want to keep it cold. You're not going to waste it. Trust us. Just open another beer. Please. Oh, yeah, yeah. Daniel, you want to do the honors? Have I missed the ceremony around opening a beer? That's getting a corona out of the fridge. That's three, two, one. Conquistador, yeah? you're double parked. You have to chug both beers. <laughs> <laughs> that's just not beer. That's just not beer chugging because it's a brand new one. I mean, you know, when you when you. 
Daniel, this was fun. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Terima kasih banyak. That sounded like something from Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia. Yeah, that's Bahasa Indonesia. Thank you very much. Ah, very good. Thank you everyone for being here and uh, we'll hear you next time. Cheers.